Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. So I hope you enjoyed what we were able to show you. Um, And I enjoyed it because people often come up to me today and go, how is VBS? And I'm like, I don't know. They put me on games. They stuck me outside where I couldn't do any damage, all right? So I have no idea what went on inside. You're going to have to ask somebody else. Um, But for my part, it went wonderful. And I threatened last week, there's always a kid with a skinned knee. I don't think I skinned any knees this week. Ryan, did we we manage to keep it clean? And and anybody who was bleeding came in that way, all right? It wasn't our fault, okay? So, but we had a wonderful, wonderful week, and it was, it was great to be able to walk through, those, uh, walk through those highlights again. And again, I just want to say thank you to our teachers, our student volunteers, our staff, everyone, um, and I, you saw everybody. I don't want to miss anybody, but I know that Emily and Stacy um, and, and um, Sandy and Wanda and so on and so forth, all the Debbies, take all the St. Mary's Debbies, they were all there. Um, <laughs> say, Everyone, it was just a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, and so, every, so everything that I heard was through my girls. Caleb was off running around, but my girls had a wonderful time. And they, at times, can be sort of challenging in Bible school, and they're like, we had fun, and that was great. One of my favorite questions to ask, like, and maybe this is the pastor in me, I don't know, but I'm always like, okay, you know what, there's this box of VBS games that we're going to play in year to year, like they may change, but over the course of like 10 years, they're all going to be the same kind of thing. So the games don't change that much. The snacks, eh, don't change that much. What's always interesting to me is what are the stories we're going to tell over the course of the week? And what is it sort of underlying, why did we pick these five stories? And so I was just really interested to see how they play out. And so many of the stories that we told were ones like, oh yeah, that'd be a great thing to talk about. We talked about God making all of creation. And we had this space theme. We were going full, you know, kind of this intersection of the universe and God making the earth. And we're like, yeah, telling the kids that God made all of creation, that it's really good. Great message. We should tell them that. But that's a Bible school story, right? You've heard that. Then the next day we told him that you are fearfully and wonderfully made like we just read in our psalm. And we're like, yeah, that sounds like it. We we want our kids to understand that how they are is good. They are made well. They are made beautiful in the image of God. That's great. Later on in the week we told the story of the prodigal son. And I I would invite you to hear it from a child's point of view. You and I will hear it in a complex way. There are two brothers and they react differently. A child is going to hear that as a child who came home and their father wrapped their arms around him and said, I love you. And that's a powerful, powerful story for a child. The gospel reading we just had, feeding the 5,000. God does some crazy things when we just give him what we've got. And we hear that as well. But there's always one lesson that makes you go, really? That's, we're going to tell that story? And maybe this curriculum more than any other that I've ever been a part of had a story. I'm like, how deep did you have to dig to find that one? And, it was, and Emily's laughing because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm like, we're doing that? There's one story in 1 Samuel that we tell on a regular basis. And it is David and Goliath. And it, won, it wasn't that story. There was this story that I'm like, what is going on here? And it's usually that story that is the pivot point of the week. It's usually that story. It's like, ah, that kind of unpacks 
why we told these other stories and how they connect. And this year it was indeed a story from 1 Samuel chapter 7, oddly enough. And it's a story about the Ark of the Covenant, and it's a story about Israel kind of finding its way again. And so here's the background of the story, is that you remember the Philistines, right? Just talking about David and Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. You remember, the Philistines are always at war with Israel. Well, at the beginning of 1 Samuel, we get the origin of that battle. The Philistines wanted to take over Israel, and they started this war at a place called Ebenezer. Those of you who have been church long enough, sung a lot of hymns, that should make you go, wait a second, I've heard that. Yeah, you have. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But they start this battle at, the, at, at Ebenezer. And the Philistines end up whooping the Israelites. And what is it you do when you take, when you beat the other guys? You take all their stuff. And what they did was take the Ark of the Covenant. Now pause for a second. The Ark of the Covenant is the symbol of God's presence. It is literally where God lives in the midst of Israel. So it's not just that they sort of took these symbols. Like if the Ark of the Covenant is not in Israel, then the sense for the Israelites is that God is not in Israel. This is catastrophic for Israel. And the next couple of chapters are sort of called sort of this narrative of the Ark. And the Ark moves from place to place and it's fought over and Israel tries to reclaim it and they can't really do it because the Philistines have guys that look a lot like Goliath. You know, it's a, it's a real problem. Except ultimately... They come, back to the, they come back to this place, they have this final battle, and they do recover the Ark of the Covenant. They're able to defeat the Philistines. And it's this wonderful scene of like, God is back with us, this is wonderful. Except Samuel, the prophet, wants them to think about this event differently than how they're thinking about it. Because they're thinking about it in terms of conquest. They beat us, we beat them. We get our God back, we're better. But that's not what Samuel calls them to. Samuel wants them to step back from this whole episode and look at their history for a little bit. Because Israel, at that time, is this fledgling nation. Israel is trying to make sense of its way in the world. It has come into the promised land, it has had great leaders Right, they remember these stories of all these different prophets and judges and all of this who have tried to get this nation established. But they're starting to feel very small in a very large Mesopotamian pond. And so they start running around trying to grab at anything that would give them relevance, that would give them some sort of, some sort of standing in the world, which included chasing after other gods. Chasing after other cultures, trying to figure out, well, that nation seems to be powerful and their God, you know, kind of seemed to do that. And so maybe we should worship that guy alongside of our guy. And so Samuel doesn't really care that they've conquered the Philistines. He cares about the ark, but he calls them back to something else. And Samuel says these words. He says, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord. And serve God only, and God will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. And it says that Israel gathered, and they fasted. Which is odd, when you've just won a major victory. You usually don't fast, usually you crack open the champagne, and you kill the fatted calf, you have a great party. But no, they fasted, and they confessed together. Not person by person, but as a nation. And it tells us that they poured out water, which is a really odd thing 
to do, first of all, in Mesopotamia. We really don't have sort of any religious kind of parallel to that. We can't quite figure out what it was they were doing. Our best guess, though, is that it really was a symbol of our sins washing away, the things that got us in trouble in the first place, allowing them to simply wash down the river. And after they had confessed, you know where they went? They went back to Ebenezer, and they raised an altar and the altar was to remind them. And it says, and Samuel records this. He says, thus far our God has helped us. Thus far our God has helped us. The message here, I think, is a beautiful one. But I think it's aimed more at us as the church than it is at children. Because for me, I don't always like telling children, you've sinned, you've sinned, you've sinned, you've got to come back to God. They're still trying to figure that out. They're like, I'm just, I'm just a guy. I'm just a girl. I'm trying to figure my way out. I'm six years old, and somebody gave me this wet thing, and I'm supposed to throw it at somebody else. Like, that's how they process life. And we should let them process life that way. But for us, there's a real message here. And the message, even if we take all of sort of the religious stuff out, it's simply about who are you? And come on back to who you are. Who are you? And reconnect with who God has made you to be. Israel, again, is running around looking for credibility, looking for people to take them seriously, looking for relevance, looking for political power. And God, represented by the ark the whole time, is saying, y'all, I'm right here. The one who delivered you out of Egypt, the one who gave you the law, the one who formed you into a people, I'm right here. And it's a powerful message because we live in a world that is constantly calling us off of our most fundamental moorings. It's a world that's saying, well, you're not yet who you ought to be. It's a world who says, yeah, you're good, but if you purchase or acquire this thing, you'll be better. I mean, how many seltzer ads do I really need to see where their life is like 100 times better than mine? Like, seltzer ain't going to get you there, folks, but we sell it like it is. And all the while, God is saying to us, y'all, I made you fearfully and wonderfully. You are a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful thing. Just come on back. Come on back. Forget all those other things. Just come back to me. It's bigger than any narrative, and it's bigger than any marketing pitch. And this story from Samuel, tucked away in a chapter that we rarely read, reminds us that when we are our truest and most authentic selves, yes, we are reminded again of God's embrace. This is prodigal son embrace. God's like, yo, I will wrap my arms around you. And it also gives us a sense of purpose to go out into the world and do good. And all of a sudden, the VBS stuff all makes sense. You are, God has created it all, but even more so, God has created you. And God is calling us in this very difficult moment in our world to simply come back to that, which, we're, which is our truest and most authentic selves, who God has made you and me to be, and who God has made us to be. And then once we launch out of that, we get this prodigal son. God is going to wrap his arms. God is going to throw a party. God is not judging us. God is throwing a party for us. And then our final reading for the week was our gospel reading for today. We're going to find that we're going to be able to go out and feed 5,000 with a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. This is how it works. This is our God who's always been here. And so I was stunned with the question that I was left with after a week. Where have I stepped out of who I truly am and who I'm truly called to be? And as I guessed last week... I was reminded of this week that it was these kids 
who reminded me that the place to be for me it's not trying to save the world. That's my penchant. That's my bent. Is like if there's a problem in the world, I'm going to fix it. That's how I think. That's how I'm wired. And they're like, no, Sam, actually, you're not going to be able to do that. But what you can do is get down on a child's level, throw some water at them, roll a ball out there, let them hit you with a pool noodle a lot, <laughs> and just encourage them to be who they are and realize that there's somebody in the world who loves them. And that's exactly what I'm called to do. Friends, this lesson, if it's, if it's good enough for our adults and it's good enough for our kids, then it should be good enough for us as a church. Who is God calling us to be? And out of that, God calls us to do miracles. Not because we're so special, but because God is and God cares an awful, awful lot about us and is calling us back to himself. And so to our children, I say thank you for that lesson. For our teachers, thank you for letting me be a student this week. May we as a congregation take our children's lessons and apply them and see what God has for us in the days, weeks, months, years ahead.